This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Hi, I'm Latoya Edwards, and welcome to Mommy Jammies Night. This is going to be a great place to just relax and chat with other moms. So I hope you have on your comfy jammies, you've got your snacks, whatever you want to drink, and don't forget your box of tissue as we get ready for a time of fellowship and encouragement. I can't wait for you to meet my friends. I just know that you will be blessed by their stories and what they have to share. You know, something over the years that has really been touching to my heart is a wise woman considers. In Proverbs 31, you know, it talks about all the virtues of a wise woman. And I just want to focus on one particular verse in that whole section that's just absolutely wonderful. But for the sake of this talk, I want to talk about the woman who considered a field and bought it. And she worked it with her hands and it was good and she and, and it brought... Um, she was able to provide for her family and her maidservants and also take it to marketplace. There's a part of that passage that has really been touching to me and really made an impact on me, and that's that whole part of the considering. You know, when she considered a field, she basically had to decide if it was the right field. Was it the right time? Was it going to have the right soil? Would it yield the right crop? Did she, was it the right price? And through that, as I pondered that and thought through that, I kept thinking about our lives as women. You know, that's when knowing when to say no is really a yes to your family. You know, as a woman considers what she is to do, she sought out counsel. Was her her husband, uh, advisors, people that are in the industry or in the field that she's thinking about. For a mom, it's other parents. It's other experts in what they're trying to learn about, but she sought counsel. She had to pray over it. She had to listen and trust her instincts, some, as well as one of the most important things, and that was what was the most important thing in her life? What was her greatest life work going to be? So as she considered, that passage doesn't say this, but we know from life she probably needed to say no to a few of those fields that she had considered. And that is just like us. When we have to say no, I will never forget the time I was just homeschooling my children. Uh, we had I had stepped out of all my leadership roles, stepped out of leading a group, and, and really focused on my, my children. I had five children, and there'd be... And I had five children in, in seven years. So we kind of had them quick and stepped on that treadmill and kept running. There was a time when I needed to pull back because I didn't want to lose my own children. And I was doing school and the phone rang. And I didn't recognize the number, but for some reason I felt like I needed to take the call. So I, I picked up the phone and on the other end I heard this, hello? And it was someone that I knew, and I was delighted to speak with her. I hadn't talked with her in a while. And I, after we exchanged some cordial back and forth and catching up on our families, I asked her, you know, what was the purpose of the call? And that's when she said, listen, we would like to have you um, consider being appointed to a position in government that was an elected position that had recently become vacated. Now, those of you that may not know me, I just tell you, I, I enjoy politics. I, I don't like the political process, but I love the opportunity to shape a culture to make good legislation. 
So when I got this call, as you can imagine, I was just inside elated. I couldn't believe it. What was I actually hearing? And I had to stop and say, why, why are you asking me this? I wasn't in political life at that point. I was busy tending to my family. I had lots of uh, teenagers, busy with sports. And she listed off a few reasons, and I just paused. And I paused long enough for her to wonder if we had gotten disconnected. And I had to think through that. And I said, you know, I am so grateful for this um, invitation. I'm so grateful that you would even consider someone like me to fill a position like that. There was something about that that I knew could be a, a life changer if I were in the if I were building my career. You don't have those types of opportunities come along very often. I thanked her. I told her I needed to pray about it, and we hung up. Once I hung up the phone, I was just jumping up and down. As you can imagine, it's like getting this call you've always wanted. Maybe for me, it was like going to Disney World. But I was really excited. Then reality set in, and I had to do what the wise woman did, and that was consider the field. Was this the right opportunity for me at this time in my current situation? What were my most important goals in our life, in my family's life? And my most important area for me was my children and the passion of raising my children. I wanted my children to love the Lord beyond just getting through school. I wanted my children to love doing life with their family. And so the third element was that they had a heart for community. Those, those all take time, time that can't be put in a vacuum and not time that can be short-circuited. It takes concerted effort and intentionality. So as I prayed about it and I spoke to my husband about it, I knew the answer needed to be no to this. I also knew those would never come along again. I would never get that phone call again. It truly was, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. But I had a peace because I knew what mattered most, what would have the greatest impact, and that was on my family. I knew what season I was in, and I was going to be very intentional about finishing my journey well. So they called back, and I had to let them Say I had to tell them no, and after I had told them no, they called back, and they said, would you reconsider? Now, saying no the first time was difficult. Then I had to say no yet again, but I again told them, let me pray about it, let me talk to my husband about it, let me think through it, let me really look at my schedule and see if I would have a, a key element, and that was time. So they called back again, and I had to say respectfully, thank you so much, but no thank you. I can't do it right now. Then I got the third call. Would you please consider, we really need you to do this particular thing. And you know as a woman, boy, don't we love to be told we're needed, that the work we're going to do to serve our community, to serve our country, to be given an elected position, how, how moving is that? How much does that pull at your heartstring? Especially if you're a homeschooling mama, you're sitting in your house, you're 
thinking, am I ever going to talk like an adult again if you have littles? Am I ever going to be able to do anything other than teaching phonics, teaching writing, teaching math, teaching science? And sometimes we get frustrated in that. And I was right there. I had high schoolers, middle school children, and elementary school children. So I had the whole gamut. This would have been a definite outlet for me to use all my my brain power that you know everybody says we don't use when we're homeschooling, which you and I both know we clearly use. But that third call came, and I sat there. And by this time, I was now crying. I was crying to them to try to handle my own frustrations of saying, my heart would love to do this. I would just love to do it. But I can't. I can't do it. And I long to do it. And just like many of you, there's those, there's those big things that come across your plate that you would really, really love to do. They're, maybe they, they play straight to your strengths. Maybe it's your passion that you absolutely love doing these things. But the truth is, in the back of your mind, you're saying, wow, there is such a cost to this. There's such a cost to this. And then you have that other part of you going, oh, but if you miss this opportunity, you'll never get it back. You'll never get to where you're trying to go. You'll never accomplish the things you're going to want to get to. This was your ticket to wherever you wanted to go. Well, I said no. And after that, when I hung up, I too started doubting. Maybe I had made the biggest mistake of my life. Maybe I was misjudging myself. Maybe I really could do it all. I continued to pray. I I continued to lay it at the altar. I kept thinking, God, surely you wouldn't tell me no because it's second best. And that's where I started to realize God does not give us second best. He's not holding out on us to give it to somebody else. Your life's greatest work is your children. And we'll come back to that when when I close out this. I want to share a a story with you that that my own daughter, who is, is now 26, shares with me. But when that was finished, and I kind of went through a period of mourning, as you all can imagine when you say no to something, That's when I realized that when we say no, we're really saying yes to our family. There were some real steps that I went through in this whole process. And I write about it and I talk about it fairly often because I find as I've I've traveled around the country speaking, I have found this to be true. We all have the same struggle. We're all tempted. We're all asked. We all have passions and desires, whether it's work that earns an income, whether it's volunteering for some project or for BBS or your your Sunday school you teach or women's groups or leadership groups, homeschool groups. Work is work, whether it's paid or volunteer. And that work takes our time. And it's that time that we're investing in these other things, communicating to our families their worth, Or do they get the crumbs? And so I had to pray about, was this what God wanted me to do? Or was this Satan attempting to lure me away from my first commitment? 
part of understanding that decision is knowing yourself. You have to know, are you the type of person who, when you have jumped into a project, you're all in, and that's your focus 100%, you just have a hard time pulling yourself out, or are you really able to say, this much time will be given here, this much time will be given here, this much time will be given here. Knowing yourself, knowing your strengths, knowing your weaknesses will help you in determining if this is what God wants you to do or if it's a temptation to lure you away from that. You know, there's always going to be amazing opportunities come your way. Always. But it doesn't mean they're always from God. And many times, just because you can do something, it really doesn't mean you should. And you have to step back and realize, as you grow as a woman, you learn skills. And they're like tools in a toolbox. I know that is really a good analogy. Um, we have a workshop and we have a, a lot of tools because we've done a lot of work over the years. We don't use them all, all the time. But it's nice to know if we need a specific tool, we can walk out to the workshop and grab that tool and use it at that moment. And we know how to use it because it's a skill we've learned over the course of building things. And as a woman, we have that same skill set, that same toolbox. And we have a lot of tools, and we could probably build many, many things, create many, many things, do lots of DIY projects. But should we? And you need to stop and think about that and write it down. And each one of you will have your own methods of doing that, whether it's a piece of paper and a pros and cons chart, whether it's just through studying scripture, thinking and praying, seeking the counsel of others that you trust, that know your heart, know where you're going, know the vision, and most importantly, are going to steer you in God's word to truth. And they're going to point you back that, to that way. You know, the distractions and the way the world values what we do is often perceived as um, for a woman, we're defined by what we do, not who we are. We often ask people, so what do you do? I used to have this happen to me all the time. So much so to the point where my husband created a little business card that would say what I did. And I was a domestic engineer, and I listed all the things that I did. I was teaching, training, discipline, correction, cooking, all those wonderful things that we do in the course of our day. And then I would just kind of give those out. Now we don't use those as much, but it was very helpful at that time for me. It made me also realize I am allowing the world to tell me if what I do is worthy of their approval because I was being defined by what I did the power, the position, the prestige, or the perceived power, position, and prestige. But God's word really tells us we're defined by who he is and what he says he has created us for. He has created us for his good pleasure. He has created us to glorify him through our life. He has created us that his light may be shine brightly through our families. 
And that's a very powerful, important paradigm that we have to have, that conversation between our ears, that the moment we start thinking it's, who, it's what we do that makes us great instead of who we are, we have, to, we have to wrestle with that, settle it, and then camp on that and stay there. You are a uniquely designed woman of God, designed to manage multiple tasks. You have to learn and figure out which tasks God wants you to, to take on at that time. The next thing we needed to do was, was to... Um, what were the needs of my family? I had to consider that. You know, a wise woman, when she's looking at the field and she's considering it, she's thinking about her family. Will this yield what it needs to yield to benefit her family? Because whatever it is we do, ladies, it needs to benefit and add value to our family in some way. I know many times I would teach VBS or I would, I would put on plays. Uh, because my kids were interested in theater, or I would uh, do musicals, or I would uh, do various things, team mom for sports, because that's where my children were. And so I used the skills that I had and the tools in my toolbox to volunteer or to work for different projects or, or various uh, other things, but it added value in some means to my family so that they weren't feeling like they were getting the leftovers or they weren't getting the crumbs. So when you have a keen understanding of what your goals are for your family and you break that down and you define that clearly, you're able to start building that strong family. There's no shortcut to building a strong family. It just takes the one element we all have the same amount of, and that's time. You know, so many people have written blogs and spoken about time management and margin and so on, and those are all true. It also tells us that we all wrestle with the same thing. We all wrestle with busy schedules, distracted lives, social media, the perfect picturesque images that we see plastered all over the social media can leave us wondering what's wrong with us. But I'm telling you, the wise woman considered the needs of her family. They, she kept them, she kept her family the priority. When my children were in middle school and high school, that was the busiest time of my life. I don't think I've ever been busier. We would get up, I had five in school, um, ranging from high school, middle school, and elementary school. And I tell you, we would get up, we would get our chores done, and yes, we did chores, and my children learned the value of work. It was modeled to them. They learned it, and they took that skill as they became adults out into the marketplace. And then they started working in the marketplace, but they learned those skills at home while we were living life. Once we would get done with school, we'd have to quickly shuffle, make dinner, crock pots, everything we needed to do to wrap up our day, clean up the house, put the school books away, or repack another book, because then we were off for the evening with various sports, and we wouldn't get home till late at night. So we were on a tight schedule, and I didn't have a lot of margin in my life. Every minute was measured. I had a calendar marking down where every kid was, what time they needed to be picked up, dropped off, watched, sat with, spoken to, what, it, what their needs were. 
So when the woman was considering what field to buy, remember she had to consider was, was it what God wanted? What were the needs of her family? Would this add value to her family? It's important to understand that the word yes has a profound impact on your family. They know. They know every time you say no to outside distractions, opportunities, they know that that takes a part of you away. Now, I'm not saying you can't do anything because, trust me, we need friends. We need friendships of other women. We need other engagement. But our children know the difference between our distractibility and our availability. Moms, you aren't going to get this time back. As much as you feel you're in the trenches, and you are in the trenches, the day does come. You're no longer in the trenches. Your ability to teach, train, correct, rebuke your children, those days do end. And during the teen years is a prime example of making that transition from control, teaching, correction, telling them, this is right, do this, this is wrong, do that, to the teen years where you're saying, you might want to consider this. Think about that. Because you have to remember as a teenager, and I'll take a little side trip here, but as a teenager, your kids already know what you think about every topic. And if they ask you a question, they pretty much know your opinion because you have been pouring into them since they were little. The teen years is about transitioning. It's about helping them take the knowledge that you have shared with them, that you've taught them, your values, right and wrong, God's word, and letting them percolate that down to their heart and it, and taking what they've learned and applying it and letting them apply it in a way that God's going to be glorified in their life. Not in how you think it should be glorified, but how they're going to glorify God through their life. He is their creator. He created your children for his good pleasure. He created your children to do great things for him. And as a mom, you have to realize the different seasons that you are in. When your children become adults, like my children, it's often conversations of iron sharpening iron. I wrote about this not long ago because it, I was being sharpened by my daughter. I was really faced with making another critical yes or no decision that would have taken me yet again down another path. And was this path that was going to take me away from my family toward some position and, or, or opportunity, or was it where God wanted me to go? And she was so profound in saying, Mom, this is what God's Word says. Are you lining up with it? And I learned from her. We can learn so much from our adult children. When you think about the seasons of our lives, when my children were little, I had to teach and train everything. The stove is hot, don't touch. When they're teens, they know the stove is hot. They know if they touch it, they're going to get burnt. Some of your kids, they might touch it. I had some that if I told them the grass was green, they would debate it. Maybe it was brown or maybe not of it, all of it was green. Maybe it was light green because it had iron deficiency or whatever those colors are that the grass has when it's kind of thick. But that's looking at the leaves on the tree instead of the root. Look at the heart. Is, 
Is their heart, and as much as you are able, is their heart seeking the Lord? That's the role you get to play. That's the role you want to be careful to guard is that time where you can sense where your kids are, what God is doing, and how he wants to use you to be their life coach. The next element the wise woman has to consider is to know your limitations. Now, I think all of us would love to be superwoman. I mean, it's, it's everywhere, and we can read about them. There's TV shows. You know, this woman, she can, she can do it all. Um, the, Proverbs 30 woman, the Proverbs 31 woman can often make some young moms feel like, wow, I'm not able to do all that. Well, we have to remember, that was the course of her lifetime. That wasn't a snapshot in one day. She didn't get it all done in one day. There were seasons. And when you have seasons of littles, they are so demanding. They require your, your instant, constant attention, teaching, training. They have to learn room time. They have to learn alone time. They have to learn social time. They have to learn manners and how to eat and what to eat and getting dressed and tying their shoes. Everything is about learning when they're little. And it's emotionally and oftentimes physically draining. Then they hit those middle school years. Well, those are the hormonal years. Those are the years we're sitting there going, wow, can can you just have a rational conversation? Well, they're not capable. Their brains are firing. Their brains are firing from left brain, right brain. They're making circuitry. They're trying to figure everything out. The hormones are kicking in. The attitudes are kicking up. And you want to be available for that. And then the high school years are even more fun. The high school years, now you're having truly the opportunity to have adult conversation. The logic is there. The reasoning is there. The understanding, the questioning, their ability to ask you hard questions, their ability to analyze things that you have taught them. You know, many times we view a child's rebellion when really what a child is trying to do is learn, process, understand, find their own way. So as a parent... They hear, these teenagers hear us say, do this. They're viewing it as control. And then when our, as a parent, when our kids smart off, when our, when our teens don't hop up the minute we say go clean something or go take your brother to the park or outside to play, and they don't hop up immediately, we view that as rebellion. And I tell you, that's not what, that's not what teens are saying. I know I come back to teens a lot, but I've had five of them. And I've seen the impact for good that saying no has had on their lives. It's given them strength and confidence. It's given them value where they know what I stand for and that they matter most. When you know what your limitations are, this will determine, this determines what your availability is. Even your availability to teach Bible studies or your availability to volunteer at VBS or to help a friend with a project. Like I was saying, when you have littles, it's very demanding. When you have middle, middle school, middle-aged children, um, you know, they're transitioning. You, you have a little bit more freedom. They can manage more on their own. When you have high schoolers, you have even more. 
And the number of children you have also greatly impacts your availability. Having five children, I knew, limited my availability. Don't get trapped into the superwoman syndrome. Don't buy the lie that you can do it all at one time. You'll do something, you become very skilled at it, and then you lay it down because you're doing something else. Those all culminate into the Proverbs 31 woman. They all com culminate into a life well-lived and finishing well. Superwoman only exists on TV, maybe Facebook and Pinterest. But I think we're all discerning enough to know that's not reality. You can talk to a woman face-to-face -face and hear her heart and know her struggles, and you realize she's not superwoman. I think we need to be more transparent than that as women. I think we need to not put on this picture or this era of, hey, I've got it all together. Everything is managed to the minute, and I can do all of these things. Because we pull back the veil like the Wizard of Oz, and we realize the wizard isn't really what the wizard claimed to be. We don't want to be that because we do great harm to other women, to other families, and to other children. You know, there's, there's an interesting paradigm about when you say no and it gives you more time and how your children perceive that. One of the things that I would always notice is the minute I would start to compare, well, so-and-so's family does it this way. Well, the interesting thing is your children know what's going on in so-and-so's house. They know the stuff that you don't see posted. They know what their kids say about their mom or about their dad or about their situation. I will never forget, there was a time that I was trying to encourage, probably is a good way to phrase it, I was trying to encourage my, uh, one of my kids to do something and to have this particular mannerism. I just, you know, I, I think manners are very important. Manners aren't to make other people uncomfortable. They're to make other people comfortable. So I was trying to encourage this child to, to you know, practice a certain manner, and I was using another child as an example. And the minute that I did that, boy, was I busted. I, I was busted. My child came to back to me and said, do you know this child lies to their parents all the time. Do you know their parents do X, Y, and Z? Did you know their parents are getting a divorce? Did you know this is happening? That was my first clue. That I don't know the full picture of the perfect picture that people portray. Moms, you don't know what the picture is behind the perfect picture that other people portray. Remember this. You don't know the picture behind the perfect picture that other people put on display. You must filter that. You must avoid the comparing your time availability, your the needs of your family, what God wants you to do with the, with the perceived perception of somebody else. Listen to what the Lord has for you. He is the architect. 
He has the blueprints for your family, for your children. He didn't give you somebody else's blueprints. You aren't to follow in somebody else's footsteps and to mirror them. There may be things and lessons that, that they teach or ways that you like, but you have to take them before the Lord. And then you have to consider how much is it really, how much time is it really going to take? Now, when I talked about everything takes time, and it's the one area you just can't get more of. You can limit your sleep more and more and more, but then you become cranky. You become not as effective during the day because you're worn out. But the time I'm talking about here is not just the physical time, the mental, the emotional, the preparation. You know, it's true. Most things take longer than we expect. I mean, as you know, when we set out to, you know, do a project in our house, a DIY project, it always takes longer. It costs more. And we run into glitches, almost without exception. And I know at my house, every time we start something, I start looking around for Murphy. And if you don't know what Murphy is, I'm talking about Murphy's Law. He always shows up with everything that we do. If I'm doing a math lesson and the lesson was only supposed to take 30 minutes, that's what the book says, and I'm only giving the odd problems, I'm not even giving all of the problems, and I'm sitting next to them in case they need help, Murphy's going to show up. Something's going to happen. Whether it's math or science or art or, or music, whatever it is, count the full cost before you say yes to anything. If you don't if you don't clearly understand the scope of the extra projects, then you can take on entirely too much. And then you end up not really teaching your children, at least not intentionally. They get taught by default. When I was teaching my children and preparing my older kids for college and trying to get everything done, all their extracurricular activities, running a company, volunteering. I just didn't have a lot of time. The days were just packed full, and I honestly had to ask myself if I had time for this next project. That requires making very hard decisions, like saying no to something you really want to say yes to. But a wise woman thinks it through. Parents, moms, you are the ultimate life coach. You know, today I see it all over, life coach, life coach. I think those are great, and, and I, in many ways I call them mentors. I've had mentors and I've had life coaches. And they've all been certified, and we look at their certification or we look at their credentials. You know, have they done what they've claimed to do? But mom... You're a life coach that is uncertified. You are a life coach that has on-the-job training. And my heart's desire through this um, presentation and just speaking with you and where my experiences have led me and how maybe, just maybe, some of the experiences that I've had to, over, that I've had to encounter or decisions that I've had to make Maybe they will just motivate you and encourage you 
and seeking the Lord for what is the best for your family. You know, I love to talk about rivers and floods. When no is really saying yes, I like to give the visual of a river. There's elements of a river, you know, we I live in Florida and there's lots of rivers and we go canoeing down many of them. And there's some important facts about that. Do you ever notice rivers go in one way? They're not confused. They know exactly where they're going. They're going in one direction. Sometimes those rivers are very smooth sailing. Those might be the times that you do have time to take on a project or you do have time to pick up some extra hours if you're if you're working. But then sometimes they're really rocky. They're bumpy. The water's still going in the same direction. It's just full of treacherous water. And at any moment you could hit a rock and lose someone. They can fall out of the boat. And I liken the boat to your family. Everybody is paddling, paddling, paddling as hard and as fast as they can go. Everyone has their life vests on. And I tell you, parents, one of the things that I always did was really, really emphasize that, hey, we're a team. You know how teams are. You're not a solo sport in a team. You're a team. Everybody has a unique position and a unique, a unique role to fill within, within that, that team. You know, we often talk about basketball and sometimes we say, oh, that's a really good team because they play well together. Or, you know, that's not such a great team because there's only like one or two, you know, one, two or three star people that are like the stars and they shoot all the baskets and they run all the plays and they it's all, 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 them, 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 them. That's not the way a family is and that's certainly not the way Christ defines a family in Scripture. We are a team and we are going in one direction and we are all on this boat. And when you get your kids to catch that vision that you're a team, that you're paddling as hard as you can in this water, you'll rest when the waters are calm and play when the waters are calm and even jump in the water and swim. But sometimes you just got to stay in the boat and you got to paddle and you got to hold on to each other. And when the divot comes or the white waters come and somebody falls overboard, you go grab them and you get them back in. And then sometimes if you have a teenager who jumps in the water, you go after them. You don't let them just float up the water and deal with it on their own. And that's why knowing when to say no is so powerful because it's in that saying no that they feel the power of your yes. It's in that saying no that they see you. They see themselves in you one day. You know, I'm a big list maker, and it was kind of funny. Um, When my kids hit the teen years, I like getting things accomplished. I like lists. I like lists on my refrigerator. Everybody knew what to do, and I gave them as they were as they grew up. Um, I gave them time frames, not necessarily at seven thirty, like when they were little. They had to get all their work done by eight o'clock so we could start school um, by eight thirty. Then they hit middle school and high school, and I gave more freedom. Just have this job done by this afternoon. High school, later high school, it was hey, just get this job done by you know night's end because. I know you're you're probably not going to be up at the same time. You have a different workload. Maybe you've got classes, online classes, or you've got co-ops or, or different things, sports. Just get it done. And then the cool part is when I started dropping the list, they started making their own. And they would put them in their room. And they would mark off for themselves. They started owning it. 
that's the transition and the transfer. Those are where the parts of your no communicated to them priority and what mattered. And I'm not saying you can't do anything but homeschool your children. I certainly did more than homeschool my children. I would run a bit. My husband and I ran a business. I ran a business. I ran homeschool groups. I ran, served on boards. I was a strategist for campaigns. I didn't do all those in one year. I did those all of the course of our homeschooling journey, which was 21 years. So I understand very uniquely how dealing with crisis, dealing with trauma, dealing with children, dealing with relationships in general, I very much understand the power and the difficulty sometimes of saying no. Remember you're going in one direction. Consider all the elements. Seek the counsel of others. You know, your, your, your family, we would always ask our family, hey, what do you think about this new thing? And for them, it was like, oh, mom, you've got another thing? You know, it's kind of the running joke now. How many things are you, are you, how many plates are you spending now? Now it's different. Now my children are grown. I've completed my homeschooling journey. I turned the tassel for the last time. So I have more time available. But I will tell you this, which didn't, which very much surprised me, because I was in, you know, I mourned a few years thinking, oh, I only have a couple years left and we'll be finished. What will I do? I didn't know. I kind of thought once I finished homeschooling and my kids turned 18, maybe they wouldn't even need me anymore. And what's been funny is I realized, oh, wow, they still need me. They just need me in a different way. They don't need mommy. They need mom. You've fostered. You've developed. You've cultivated. You've built into them those close, connective relationships. You've desired that, hey, we want to do life together. Let's do it well. Let's finish well. Let's get to the other side close, wanting to continue to spend time together. You know, the decisions that you make are not easy. Sometimes they are once-in-a-life opportunities. And when I began, I told you about saying no to a position. There have been many others since that I've had to say no to. I have gone through the same process of, God, is it really what you want or is it a temptation to lure me away? I've had to consider the cost. I've had to really assess the needs of my family in the season that we were in. I've had to know my own personal limitations. Because once I get in a project, I tell you, I'm all in. It takes everything in me to kind of unplug and pull out. Because I so, I'm so causal driven. I want things to do well. I want things to run well. I want to see whatever project that I'm involved with succeed. I, that's me and, and who I am in my core. I really don't like doing the same thing over and over and over. And I guess that's why homeschooling was um, a great challenge for me because every year was a little different with a different child, a different personality, different talents, different skills, different motivation, different interest. So, you know, for me, every year of homeschooling was a little bit different. We never used, we tried to use similar things, but it didn't always fit. Sometimes other people tell you you can manage it all. That's where you have to be careful. Seek the Lord. Seek the counsel of those that are really seeking the Lord. You seek the Lord. 
you seek the counsel of others that are seeking the Lord, that will point you back toward Christ, that aren't afraid to say, I don't think you should do this. Yes, it's a great opportunity, but I don't think it's the right time for you. You have to realize when you say no, it's not your ability that's in question. You can't let your ability be in question. I know many, many women that, quote, have these wonderful degrees that everyone oohs and ahs over. I know many accomplished, skilled, smart women that say no to things that leave the world confounded, leave their friends, leave their families wondering, what's wrong with you? You have to know that this isn't a question of your ability. It's a question of God's desire for your family and your willingness to be faithful day in, day out with what he's called you to do. Keeping that on the front of your mind. Realizing that God gave you those children. He wants, to te- he wants you to teach them and train them for his glory. And in so doing that, remember that it's not your children. It's not just your children that you're teaching. It's your children's children. And the way I like to look at that is I always viewed it as I'm teaching my future grandchildren because one day my children are going to bear children. I don't know when that's going to happen because right now they're not not moving very fast. But one day they will, and one day they will parent. I will have shaped and influenced the role of being a mom. As imperfect as I was, as many errors and mistakes and as many times as I had to go before them and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I said this. I'm sorry that I hurt you, that I didn't mean to. I'm sorry I didn't understand how you really learned. But in that, in my imperfections, I am teaching them how to be patient and how to one day teach their children. All these years later, I realized that my no was really a big yes and that I'm still daily having to say, Lord, is this opportunity what you have for me? Because Scripture tells us A wise woman considers all things before she decides. And it's my prayer that you will gain the confidence to say no without the fear of missing out because of what the world or others tell you. God has not saved his best for someone else. He has his best for you. And as my 27-year-old daughter told me one day, when we were standing in the parking lot, I was starting a new company. And I had my, my whole team with me, and we were brainstorming. And she said to me, Mom, you did all these really cool things, BC. And as you all know, that's before children. And, Mom, you're doing all these really cool things now. After I, my children have grown. But she looked at me. We were standing in the middle of a Panera parking lot. Because we all know that's where we do our meetings, right? 
and you don't stop having meetings even when your kids are older. You still go to Panera. We were standing in the Panera parking lot, and she said, Mom, your greatest life work was right here. And she made the circular motion in between the before children and the after children were grown. And she said, look at your family. We are your life's greatest work. Pour in to other women. And that impacted me so profoundly. It, it altered many of my decisions because it was in that that I realized, wow, here I was just trying to be faithful to get through the day, to get through this grammar lesson, to try to figure out how to help you learn how to spell and learn the states and learn the capitals and learn the periodic table of elements. It was in those little things, driving them to sports and music and all the other things life demands that became my life's greatest work. It wasn't in any of the titles, the position, the power, the prestige, or even the money. It was them. And in Proverbs 31, it says, and her children will rise up and call her blessed. Now, when they're little, when you have middles, and when you have high schoolers, they don't always rise up and call you blessed. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they call you other things. Right? Mine did. But they do. But the good news is, when they become adults and they've, able, they've been able to look back and realize what you sacrificed for them, there's a keen sense of appreciation and acknowledgement in what you've really done. So don't grow weary and well-doing, Mom. You're doing a great job. Remember, a wise woman considers. So stay resilient, be joyful, and know you are infecting the children that will make a difference in this world. You can follow me on ConnieAlvers.com. Join me on, on the social media platforms. I, I love to connect with you. I love to encourage you. Just know, don't quit, don't give up. Stay resilient and have a great day. This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Hi, I'm Latoya Edwards, and welcome to Mommy Jamie's Night. This is going to be a great place to just relax and chat with other moms. So I hope you have on your comfy jammies, you've got your snacks, whatever you want to drink, and don't forget your box of tissue as we get ready for a time of fellowship and encouragement. I can't wait for you to meet my friends. I just know that you will be blessed by their stories and what they have to share. 